Welcome to Institutionalized, Living After Deconstruction and Promoting Mental Health. I'm your host, Josh T, and each week we'll dive into interesting topics and bring you stories from fellow travelers on the road of life. In this raw, accepting, and sometimes hilarious space, we'll ask the questions we weren't allowed to ask, challenge norms that keep us stuck in the past, and actively listen to perspectives that might be different than our own. And if we listen carefully enough, we might learn something that helps us love ourselves and our neighbors better. This is Institutionalized, Living After Deconstruction. This week, I'm joined by Sherry Bothwell. Sherry is a former pastor's wife and advocate for abuse victims in high-control religious environments. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, welcome to Institutionalized. I am finally able to meet one of my favorite people on the internet, Sherry Bothwell. Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Josh? I'm thrilled, thrilled to meet you and to be here today. Well, we we kind of, I guess we go back about three or four years um, arguing with fundamentalists or at least trying to advocate for, <laughs> you know, abusive type behaviors or passive yes. aggressive. And then I got a little bit sick and decided to check out. Um, but you, you have been growing and, and fighting and advocating against abuse in all forms uh, within Christian mm-hmm. circles for a long time, what, four or five years? Yes, it's been five years. Um, and it's changed a lot in those mm-hmm. five years because a lot has happened. Well, sure. your, st- your stamina is mind boggling. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I just, I can only argue with fundamentalists for like, maybe like one post. And then I'm just like, I'm just going to mic drop my way out of here. And then, yeah. <laughs> but man, you and you're very good down. at it. Well, I I try <laughs> until they, you know, gaslight you and say, oh, you see, you just proved my point. You're uh, mm-hmm. you're not open minded or what. And it's like, you know, no, once we know better, we do better. And uh, we're all just right. trying to to live in this world <laughs> alongside each other. And some of the stuff mm-hmm. that, that they're preaching and talking about is wrong. So what started all this for you? I know you were a former pastor's wife and uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did that how did tell us a little bit about your story? Well, in 2012, we left a very overtly spiritually abusive church. And the pastor there told me basically and everybody else that I had a problem with men, with authority, especially pastoral authority. And just because I knew my Bible, I studied theology, I was an unofficial Bible scholar for like the whole of my life. I loved Bible scholarship. I loved learning about how to study the Bible, hermeneutics. I loved studying bibliology. um, And I listened to Christian apologists and wanted to be one. Mm. Um, So I also have a semi-photographic memory. So I have a lot of the Bible memorized just from being in it so much. I read the Bible through cover to cover and chronologically more times than I can count. And so I just have it in my head, but also with my Bible study, I had a tendency to be more knowledgeable on the Bible than my pastors. And, you know, I know that sounds arrogant and prideful, but it's just a matter of fact. Um, And so, yeah, I would call them out on what they 
were getting wrong. I would call them out on the fact that they clearly had not studied hmm. for, you know, whatever it was they were trying to teach or preach. And I would say, what about this or what about that? And how does this jive together with what you claim to believe? And basically, I was exposing their hypocrisy and their honestly, their lack of knowledge, which isn't their fault exactly, but it kind of is, you know, yeah. it's their responsibility if they're going to be teaching and preaching the Bible to know what they're talking about. Um, and he, of course, this pastor especially didn't like that because women in these circles in my specific sect of Christianity were expected to be silent. Um, they, especially within the church, they were never, ever, ever to teach men anything about the Bible. So anything that I knew was automatically irrelevant because I was a woman. And so that was a really heartbreaking and incredibly difficult and traumatizing time for me personally, especially, but for my entire family. Um, as you know, when you're a Christian, your entire circle of friends, yeah. your community is your church because everybody, it's that whole us versus them mentality. Everybody else is the world or the enemy. And so when you have to walk away from that, you're leaving everything. You're leaving all the people that you love behind. And we were always taught to leave quietly and not make a stink about things. And anybody who knows me knows that I don't do that well. <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if, if I see something wrong, I'm going to call it out. Um, I've always had a sense of justice that spans time and space, um, a, a sense of fairness. And if I see something or hear something or witness something that is unjust, I can't be silent about it. I feel like if, you know, I don't, I don't like the thought of treating other people the way that you want to be treated because I believe in treating people with it and loving them the way that they want to be loved. My morality is entirely selfless and other centered. But if I were in a church and people were leaving, I would want to know why. I would want yeah. to know the details. And I felt like the people of the church deserved to know what was going on. And honestly, it was because the pastor was lying about so many things, but especially about me. Um, and so, yeah, that was really hard. And I ended up getting really sick from that just because I felt like my best was never good enough. My husband and I and our entire family were really, we stayed for two years, hoping that things would get better, praying and doing the best that we could to have the right heart attitude, the right posture, to be humble and forgiving and loving unconditionally, um, and to just doing the very best that we could. And looking back, I know that we did the very best that we could. I honestly have no regrets other than that I wish we would have left sooner. Mm. Um, and I wish we would have been louder. Um, but I think having to be silent about that because it was really important to my husband to be, he's definitely not a confrontational person, um, but I am. Actually, my job description a couple of years ago when I worked for a Christian organization was confrontation and conflict resolution. Oh, wow. And it fit me. It fit <laughs> yeah. me to a T. I loved that job. So yeah, my husband and I are polar opposites. And it was really hard for me to be silent in that. And I ended up getting very, very ill. And I couldn't 
get out of bed without help for like six weeks or something. And I ended up finding out that I had at that time, three autoimmune diseases. And later I found out that I had Lyme disease too, which is considered a terminal illness and non-curable. Um, yeah. So my immune system, my entire body was manifest that I had lived through for literally my entire life as a believer. And I really believe that being silenced was so against who I am as a person. Like the core of my being is about justice and speaking out for the oppressed, for the bullied, mm. um, any type of thing that taking that away from me destroyed me. It destroyed me in every way, but my body, I love the book, The Body Keeps the Score. My yeah. body manifested all of that. And it was for the whole of my life, you know, this was my reality for the whole of my life, being second place to men who um, saw themselves essentially as masters of the universe while treating other people like the scum of the earth. Not all of them were evil people, but many, many of them were. And in my opinion, it's because the belief system of Christianity attracts these people. Yeah. It attracts abusers. It attracts evil people because it's specifically designed to absolve them of accountability, responsibility, and consequences. Mm. And it's also very convenient in that it's it's a man-made system designed by men with who were controlled freaks with uh, that were power hungry. Yeah, and it was designed for people like that. <laughs> like if you think about it, like who wants that job? Who wants the job right. of legislating the morality of every other person in their congregation? Who wants the job of standing on a platform and having everybody amen you? Uh, you know, the funny one of the funny things yeah. when I was in church was when they would say something like, can I get an amen? It's like, oh, oh so yeah. is that like a rhetorical affirmative question? Like, do we have a choice yeah. here? Because I don't really agree <laughs> with what you're saying. So no amen yeah. there. Yeah. Yes. The preachers that I knew would amen themselves. You know, yeah, amen. Constantly, <laughs> amen. So, but yeah, it and you, you, you can't, in good conscience, agree with a lot of the things that they're saying. But at the same time, you're so taught that your heart is deceitful above all things, and mm. not to lean on your own understanding. That you are desperately wicked, and you need this person or other people to have this say over you. Mm. Um. You're required to submit and surrender your will to the will of other people, especially as a woman. It was really this issue of submission that decimated my faith entirely, but um, it started with the physical manifestations of the religious trauma that I had lived through. Mm -hmm. it, it was just as a result of that, not being able to do anything that I felt like I needed to do to be a quote unquote good Christian going out and telling people about Christ, soul winning, which I was very passionate about because I didn't want anybody to go to hell. Yeah. Um, reading my Bible and praying were not options because I was so dizzy. I, I couldn't track to read. Um, and praying was just, honestly, it was traumatizing to me because I felt like in all of my life, every time I prayed, all I got back in return was deafening silence. Yeah, and I just couldn't do it anymore. That's something that, 
that I really struggled with as well was like all these people talk about a relationship with God and everything that I know about relationships is two way, you know, you don't have a one way relationship with a person unless it's abusive. Exactly. And how, how, how how am I going to have a relationship with someone that won't speak to me? won't show themselves to me i don't know whether he she it exists or not i just know that if i pray and i'm disconnected from my body you know what i mean i'm disconnected from uh i can't like you're saying i can't trust my heart i can't trust what's within me i i'm getting nothing i'm gonna get radio silence and it is depressing like it it really is. is like what's wrong with me why does everybody get this but i don't Yes. Yes. And it was so, so weird to be too, because I would pray about things and other people would come to me and ask me to pray about things because they said, when you pray, God hears you. Like when I feel like when I ask you to pray for something, God answers. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying that I'm not, but okay. I still believed in prayer. I was happy to pray for other people. Um, and I didn't, I didn't see it um, at all. I still don't, especially yeah. now in hindsight. But like, I'm like, I feel like it was because they were trained to gaslight themselves. And it was confirmation bias that they were asking me to pray. They believed that my prayers were going to be answered for whatever reason. That theirs weren't. Um, And then they saw something that was like, oh, this must be the answer to Sherry's prayers. Mm. You know, when it really wasn't, you know, they were just so hopeful and they believed it so much that whatever happened, even if it was like nothing happened, then that was God answering my prayers and saying no or wait, or whatever, you know, it was like, whatever happens, it's, it's God. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Even if nothing happens, it's God and he's good. And especially, and even in his silence and all of these Christian platitudes and thought terminating cliches that Christians use to explain away and engage in the mental gymnastics required to believe, I guess, as I was laying there too, I realized that I myself was culpable in a lot of the spiritual abuse that I had suffered, not as a survivor or a victim, but as somebody who was perpetuating this because I was believing, I was believing it, you know, Mm. and I felt like what they were telling me about, oh, I'm depraved and I deserve to die for being born human (laughs) and I deserve eternal conscious torment for being born depraved, which I did not agree or consent to or have any say in. And I really didn't believe it, but they were telling me it was true. And I didn't believe that other people deserved to go to hell, obviously, which was why I was so passionate about going on telling people about Jesus. So they didn't have to go there, but I was still I realized that a lot of my beliefs were hurting and harming me and I was hurting and harming people by sharing those beliefs. Mm. And I think that really gutted me because I am so against abuse and hurting and harming other people. Then realizing that 
I was guilty of this in, in my innocence and in my sincerity and genuineness. I was actually hurting and harming people and perpetuating abuse. I just, I couldn't forgive myself. So for several years, I was just in this depression that I, I felt like I could not get out of. And I was still dealing with all of the autoimmune diseases and, you know, the, the illness, the physical illness. And I just felt like my life, I just wished that I would die already. Mm. You know, I was like, I believed as a, as a believer, I believed in heaven. And I was like, why can't I just die? You know, I, this, this life that I'm living is one of suffering and difficulty. My kids are suffering because I can't do anything that I need to do. My husband's ministry is suffering because I can't be there to support him. And I just got to the point where I was sick of it. And I decided that I was done. And it wasn't a like one and done thing. It was a very gradual process, but I distinctly and specifically remember the day when I was done feeling like that. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to make whatever changes I needed to in order never to feel. I was done. I was taking the pen back and I decided to imagine what I wanted my life to look like. And I was going to do whatever I had to, to make, make my life beautiful and to help people and be intentional not to hurt and harm people and to do whatever I could to make up for the unintentional hurt and harm that I had perpetuated. And so I just started sharing my story. Facebook Live had become a thing and that was a tremendous gift for me because I was not able to use my voice. I was not allowed by men in the church, including my husband, to use my voice within the church, but I was allowed to talk about whatever I wanted to on Facebook Live. And so I just started kind of sharing my deconstruction journey. Um, and I, at that time, I didn't know that that's what it was. And there wasn't, there wasn't like a community for that type of thing. Um, and then the recovering fundamentalists came right. along and I thought, oh, this is going to be so great. They, we finally have a community. This is awesome. But in the end, it just ended up being more of the same with men thinking even what they were saying was the only right thing. Women were not given a voice. And when they were, it was moderated and yeah. it was corrected and respected and I was one of them like I don't even remember what happened but I I just I know it was just one sentence of a comment that I had posted and I think it was a question and they blocked me and I'm like wow really? they are so fragile they blocked you. they are so fragile in their belief system and so threatened by a woman who would ask an honest question that they couldn't even engage with me and do me the um the service of explaining why they blocked me or warning me that they were going to block me. They just preemptively blocked me as if I was that much of a threat. And I was like, you know, I'm done with this. You know, all of my attempts to hang on to my faith by becoming more of a grace-filled Christian, more of a progressive Christian, yeah. like they, you know, it was still harmful and hurtful. 
So Sherry, once you once you started deconstructing and you started pulling these threads, uh, the threads of original sin and that you know that we're all born bad and we need to be saved <laughs> from either ourselves or from God. Like, what? Where did you go from there once you started pulling those threads? Well, um, I guess I realized that that had never been true of me and I never really believed it to be true of my loved ones and the people that I knew um, in my circle, even the Christians that I knew, I didn't believe that with that they would be these morally <laughs> depraved people, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't believe that they needed a God or a book or a threat of punishment or a promise of reward to not hurt or harm people or in any way infringe upon their human autonomy, agency, freedom, and rights. And I knew that I didn't need that. You know, I, it was as effortless to me as breathing to love people and to be compassionate and kind and just and to be an outspoken um, advocate for victims of abuse of all kinds of any kind of hurt and harm. And so I just realized that all of these 40,000 different sects of Christianity were all based upon the same book. And even within those 40,000 sects of Christianity, there all the people involved in them didn't believe the same, mm. but everybody believed all of their beliefs were based upon the Bible, the same book. Um, but all of them and, think they're right too. <laughs> yes. Everybody thinks that only their way of believing is the right one. And I, I just got to the point where it was too ambiguous, mm. you know, and it was just like, how, if I really believe that people are so prone to being deceived, then why do I think that I'm the exception to that? You know, and that was a huge catalyst mm. in my deconstruction journey because I was like, I'm here. I need to learn to listen to my intuition. I need to learn to dare to listen to my own heart and my own mind and trust myself. Um, and that was a scary thing because you're told not to. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I learned and, in therapy is in, and yes. mental, you know, trying to take care of my mental health is how much we need to listen yes. to our bodies. We need to trust ourselves, except it's the exact mm -hmm. opposite in Christian circles, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And I thought, what would happen if I had the courage to do that? What do I have to lose at this point? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was, I, I just felt like what I knew or what I thought I knew or what I thought I believed was not working, <laughs> not for me, not for other people. And um, every sect of Christianity that I desperately looked at in order to try to hang on to the faith that I truly believed that I would die for rather than recant just left me feeling empty and it it wasn't satisfactory at all all of my it didn't answer any of my questions it just gave me more questions yeah. and 
you know, I thought this, it just wasn't satisfactory anymore. I was not okay with just blindly believing things by faith without proof or evidence of any kind. And I started to trust myself enough to look for the evidence. Um, even though I was told by all the Christians, no matter what sect of Christian they were, not to do that. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you have to shut up that logical, rational, critical thinking part of your brain in order to be able to believe things without proof and to really diligently seek God. That's what it was. But that's what it sounds like you were doing. God. You know what I mean? Like yes. you're diligently seeking and just not being I able was. to, you know, two plus two doesn't equal seven. Yes, <laughs> like, it's exactly. Difficult. It was, it was, it was so difficult. I want to, I want to tell you what it was like, but I don't know. You might have to edit me out, but it was a no, mind. I don't have fight. to edit anything. It, it's it's okay. completely, <laughs> no, I don't edit. I leave but, the explicit yeah. just in case anybody wants to cuss because cuss words are social constructs anyways. And who said right. they were bad and all that stuff. No, I don't, I ain't it's editing. It's so it. true, but there isn't a better word for what I was going through. Yeah. You know, it was just like, this does not make sense. I cannot make it make sense anymore. Mental gymnastics are not working for me. I've contorted mm -hmm. myself into all different positions on this and I, it does not make sense and I, I'm not going to force it. And so I just decided that I was going to have the courage to, to just face facts and reality and um, see where that led me. And I was always told that if you didn't have faith, that you were going to be like, your life is going to be hopeless nah. and you weren't going to have purpose. You weren't going to be fulfilled. And if, you know, this was all the life that we have. And when we die, there's nothing. Then our life is worth nothing yeah. or it's going to be worth nothing because without God, God is the one that gives meaning to everything. And I thought, you know what? I am so sick and I'm so sick of feeling this way. I don't even care anymore. Something's got to change. I'm willing to change whatever I have to. And that was one of the things that I did. And I pulled at that belief about hell and it all just crumbled at my feet. And I realized that my belief was based solely on an emotional need to believe. Mm. It was not based on logic. It was not based on rationality. It wasn't based in critical thinking. And I allowed myself to dare to think critically about this. And I'm convinced that the reason pastors and churches push so hard to get people to be faithful to listening to sermons and attending church is because you cannot hold to these beliefs without constant re- reaffirming indoctrination yeah it's almost it, like they the longer they, that you they want you to let go like yes. let go of what you know what you feel in your heart let go mm -hmm. and and it's you know they i hear this all the times like don't throw the baby out with the bath water i wonder how many times you've heard that on facebook oh yeah and it's, it's just another it's another reason yeah. for control like it's just another like people can be good yes. people without yes. believing in God, people can have great lives. People can, you know, 
just about mm-hmm. every atheist, agnostic, secular humanist that I've met, and it's a lot. Yeah. We're some of the most beautiful <laughs> people I've ever met in my life. Like some of my best it's friends tough. in the world aren't believers. And I, it just doesn't add it's up. So true. Right. And that's how I feel about the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Some of my best friends are a part of that. And they are seriously the most gentle, loving, kind, incredible people that I have ever met in my life, especially considering all of the crap that they have to deal with, you know, all the hate that they have to deal with on a consistent basis. And, and I think that was a big thing too, in my deconstruction journey. Um, I started listening to other people's stories, being completely Mm. fascinated by them and not listening to correct them or to fix them or to save them. (laughs) I was listening because I truly wanted to hear their stories. I'm fascinated with true crime because not because I, I love the um, violence or anything like that, but because I am fascinated with figuring out and understanding what drives people, what makes them do what they do, um, Mm. what makes them be the worst version of themselves, what inspires them to be the best version of themselves. I just want to hear people's stories and I want to understand them genuinely. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I, I mean... The, the people of the church that my husband was pastoring at the time really felt like I was opening myself up to deception and Satan by entertaining these people, telling their stories and listening to them. By actually and maybe possibly reading an argument against your own position. <laughs> yes, exactly. I wasn't just, I, I really wasn't allowed in the church to read anything that didn't confirm my biases that d- that didn't reinforce what the church believed the ultimate rebel all the time yeah. <laughs> and i, I was relate. like if they don't if they don't want me to read it like, there's something there you yeah. know like what are they so afraid of and i've always been a voracious reader so i never held to that I just would do it on the sly. And I loved it when I could have my books on my phone because then my husband and nobody else knew what I was reading and I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, That's sad. That's really sad that you can't read a book because, you know, we're so conditioned and this is something that, you know, I've even struggled with and I'll just be completely vulnerable and honest with starting this podcast that we're so conditioned Mm -hmm. to care so much about what other people think. We're so conditioned to not be a stumbling block to someone else's Mm -hmm. faith. And that does silence you in a way. And it lets you keep all this stuff inside your body until you're almost ready to explode. Like Mm -hmm. I can relate to you with Lyme disease because Lyme disease doesn't go away. I've got it as well. And I've struggled with it when COVID hit. My two autoimmune responses started going crazy. And then Mm -hmm. all of the, all of the, uh, social upheaval and injustice that was going on during that time and science denial is like oh i know this game i've been around this game for a long long time and i've never said anything about it 
I just mm-hmm. kept it all inside. And it does like when you don't have authenticity or autonomy, it makes you sick. Like right. it's trauma. It does. And it is. And then when you get the response, the controlling response that you know is coming yeah. from other believers when you step out of line and you're not conforming to their belief system that is that is i honestly i don't have words to describe the gut grief that grief. you go through yeah. yeah just for daring to be honest you know And to be authentic, to be vulnerable. It's like you open yourself up to that vulnerability, which is the ability to be hurt. And you know you're going to be hurt. And then they just come in and they pummel you, you know? And that is exactly what I experienced. And I remember right away, I, I sometimes it's like my phone can read my mind, but I was really grieving that at one point. Immediately after I had posted a Facebook live talking about something that about submission and how it didn't seem loving to me. And I could be wrong, but this was just my, these were just my thoughts and this is how I felt. And I was just being honest. And, um, the, the, the meme came across my phone that said that something about how Christians are the, the, the only sect of people that that shoot their wounded Mm. you know it's just like they they come after you yeah i've seen that over and over again on your facebook like the vitriol that you receive on a a daily basis just for Mm -hmm. being honest or for posting something that might help someone else like you're not even talking to them like you're trying to help other people that are going through the same thing you know what i mean and the vitriol Mm -hmm. that you get from Christians, it's like it it's mind-boggling. Like it, it doesn't really is. It's it, and it's constant. Yeah. It it never lets up. I'm still getting comments from videos and posts that I posted in June of 2023. And it mm-hmm. did from what I'm posting, you know, today. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just literally hundreds of thousands of comments. I can't even possibly keep up with all of them. Facebook won't even allow me to select the all comments um, option anymore because it's just too much. And like when I turn on Facebook, it looks like my phone is glitching because it's (laughs) just constantly refreshing and it's flashing and flashing and flashing. And so there's no way to moderate the comments. and I, I feel like in a way it's kind of a, the universe protecting me <laughs> because it's just so much and I have a life, you know, I'm not yeah. paid to do this and it could easily be more than a full-time job just to moderate the comments and interact with, the, with people. But I think the thing that really bugs me the most is that the people who are being abused, who are victims often get lost in the fray. Yeah. Those are the people I want to talk to, you know? And I get lots of private messages and a lot of those go to spam. So I'm having to check so many different folders to make sure that I'm not missing something from somebody that I can help. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine that people want to share their opinions about things, their beliefs, totally fine. But my heart is for abused people. And 
honestly, the things that I've suffered led me to still sharing my story. For some reason, the idea that I wasn't allowed to talk about what I was going through and to be vulnerable was like a dare to me. Uh, and like so instead of stopping talking, I, I increased it. And it Traded was your so mic for a bullhorn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I had primarily wives of people in full-time ministry from all over the world reaching out to me and really? telling me their stories. Oh my goodness. Yes. And even daughters of men in ministry mm. would message me privately on a, like they would have to have profiles on Facebook or in any media that they had to be sure to log out of every time they got off so that their father or husband could not see wow. that they were on Facebook talking to me. Um, they felt like their lives were in danger by talking to me and sharing their stories of what, of the abuse that they endured at the hands of these men. And it was really power honestly, structures, you know, especially oh, in the patriarchy, it, it, things, yeah. get, things get, get yep. icy. That's when you know and there's I something realized, there. Yeah. I realized it's, it's, it's like Islam, you know, yeah. like, people are dying over these beliefs and it really, I mean, I knew it was bad, but I was always telling myself it, it's, it can't be as bad as I think it's just my trauma talking. It's just the hurt that I feel <laughs> and the understandable and completely natural, normal, justified responses of bitterness, resentment, and anger for the hurt and harm that I've been through that are coloring this, but that, but the actual fact of the matter was that it was way, way worse than I ever dared to think. Um, and so, yeah, I, I especially on their behalf, I began talking about the things that they were sharing with me and showing from the Bible how this is not what Jesus would want, how this is the th things that people were believing, the way that they were treating women and children and the hierarchy and the patriarchy and all of this stuff was so abusive and wrong on a fundamental level. I started sharing that on behalf of them and shit hit the fan. Like first, so many people on Facebook started coming after me, sharing my videos. Then their people were coming after them, coming after me and the men of my the church that my husband pastored didn't even think that they thought that Facebook was evil. They didn't have Facebook at all, mm. but they got Facebook so that they could spy on me and hold me accountable for what oh. they said <laughs> was speaking out against abuse and calling things that weren't abuse, abuse, and thereby minimizing actual abuse. Because I was talking about what they were doing and calling out their abuse and they didn't mm. like that. And so yeah, it was just, it was so bad. And I felt like what was unleashed on me was to the extent it was so mean <laughs> and cruel and just completely unmitigated harshness. I felt like 
I was taking it on behalf of so many of the other women who were being silenced. Mm. And I knew it was coming, but what I didn't know was how I was going to respond to it. And yeah, the men of the church went to my husband, not to me, and basically said that I was a new age Jezebel feminist that deserved a good spanking. And they wondered who is going to be man enough to give it to me. And they told me that I needed to sit down, shut up and focus on being a good wife and a mother in his ministry, instead of trying to go off on my own and have my own. Um, I don't even have words. There's some repressed sexual issues going on there too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They were not kidding. Yeah. Yeah, some of these men followed men who believed in marital spanking. What? So that that was not hyperbole. They were serious about that. Um, and as time has gone on, I I when it happened, I was like, oh no, they, you know, they're just exaggerating. But I know them. I know the men that they follow, and I now yeah. know that this is what those people were teaching. I don't believe that they implemented it, but I know that they were following people who did wow so yeah i don't even, and, have, and people I don't even like, have words for that one yeah people are like oh that's not a thing it, i assure you it is I mean, we're like <laughs> taking a trip into the handmaid's tale right there yeah exactly but this is the insanity of the abuse that is the toxic fruit of this toxic abusive belief belief yeah. system and I've gotten to the point as I've deconstructed, I, I kind of have gotten really good at these arguments because I have them constantly all day, every day with people. But to me, from what I have experienced and what I have witnessed and what I can prove is that Christianity is a blood, sex, death cult that is specifically designed to absolve guilty, evil people of responsibility, accountability, and consequences. And I can't get away from that. Like the more that I work with religious trauma victims of all different sects of Christianity, the more that is reinforced and I cannot get away with away from it. And I also feel like it can't be overstated. You know, again, it's so much worse than most people think Um, until you're in the trenches with these people who are suffering from this religious trauma, you don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. y- all you see is your own small perspective of your own experience, but having the courage to step out of that comfort zone and into the lives of other people to empathize with them and to hear their stories, that will shake your world. It will rock mm. your world. You know, that was something that um, I, you know, with I, I, I wrote that novel and it was almost... A part of it was my deconstruction of the male ego and the worst that I could yeah. be within this system. You know what I mean? Given mm-hmm. the worst that could happen. Mm-hmm. I had somebody uh, comment on it and said, the women do not fare well in this novel. It's not very loving at all. I'm like, that's the point. The, the yeah, whole exactly. point is that this patriarchal controlling structure that believes that there is, that believes that all people are wicked and they can't help it. It's just how they are, mm-hmm. but then they mm-hmm. can have eternal security just absolves mm-hmm. anybody from all responsibility. And the, the most, the biggest narcissists and the, the people who have not deconstructed 
the patriarchy or masculinity and men who you know kind of abide and believe in those hierarchical structures become the thing that they never thought they would become and it's sad exactly it is and that's exactly what happened with my husband he is the most kind gentle respectful <laughs> quiet non-confrontational person that i have ever met in my life mm. and he was a pastor and he was expected to be the opposite of all of those things yeah to in order to be considered a real man and a strong leader and all of these things and it just like it it, it is so harmful for men so yeah. harmful for men we don't don't even I realize think, it like we don't you know what i mean yeah. and, until you're you're faced with the mirror that you don't want to see and i've been there yes. you know what i mean i explored it i explored you know the logical extremes of this stuff through my work and then i you know mm -hmm. doing a lot of self-reflection and also listening to my wife at the same time yes. understanding that like this you know some people can live in these structures and they're 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 they feel like they're fine but there's always somebody quiet you know there's always yeah. it seems like there's always somebody hurting and when that person like says something yeah. about it or comes out with it then what they're what they're mm -hmm. met with you know you're you can lose your job you lose your whole community <laughs> how, like yes. how in the world is that something good you know yeah yeah. And, and that's honestly what I faced um, in talking about these things. I knew that I was risking my husband's job. I was mm. risking our livelihood. I was risking our home, our family, and especially my marriage. But I was, the more that I spoke out against this and the more of the pushback that I got, the more convinced I was that I was on the right track. And I couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough money not to expose it now. Mm. I feel like it is the purpose of my life to expose these abusive belief systems for what they are. And, you know, I have no problem with people believing in Christianity at all. I am married to a Christian. My husband is still a believer and we are still together. What I have a problem with is people imposing it mm. on other people and hurting yeah. and harming people and infringing on their human autonomy, agency, freedom, and rights. That is not okay. You know, you can believe whatever you want. We all have the freedom to believe whatever we want. We do not have the freedom to impose it on other people. And you see that and going to the highest what... places now in, in government, you know, oh, taking yeah. away people's rights. They're, you know, with yes. Roe v. Wade being overturned. And that mm -hmm. almost feels like I had somebody jump into my DMs and send me a video that talked about the kingdom of God and the translation being dominion that God has given you over other people. Okay, now I get it. You actually do feel like this, you know, your supremacy, like you're entitled yeah. to the world and everybody else is just, you know, wicked, yeah. draw those lines. And <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand that stuff. Like I can understand the metaphor of Christ handling suffering. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? getting back up rising yeah. again like i can understand that as a metaphor just like mm -hmm. any other you know book or yeah. whatever that we can mm -hmm. get something from but yeah. to say that something is infallible to say that you know to put doctrine and dogma behind it that literally came out mm -hmm. 500 years after the man lived <laughs> 
you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult when you start thinking about that stuff to, to really hold on to those threads. Can I ask you, um, how do you feel letting go? Relief, tremendous relief. Like I was so afraid of letting go, um, because I'd been taught to be that way. And like, I realized that everything that I believed for 33 years was a lie based upon a foundation of lies. And probably the biggest one ever perpetuated on me was the one that if I walked away, every my life was over. Mm. Because I really did, I, I, I was told that I wouldn't have peace. I was told that I wouldn't have purpose. <laughs> that... I would lose everything of value in my life if I walked away and staying was not an option. Once I had the courage to realize that everything I believed was a lie, I had the courage to face that what they were telling me in their fear-mongering attempts to keep me within the belief system, to keep me conformed to that was probably the biggest one. And so mm. I I dared to let go and it was the strangest thing. Like the sense of relief was palpable. Um, and I realized after, I think it was just a few weeks, I realized that I had the so-called fruits of the spirit perpetuity completely effortlessly. Love, joy, peace, you know, yeah. just like floods of it. It was such a tremendous load off of my mind, off of my heart, off of my body to just let it all go and realize that I didn't, I didn't have to save anybody from anything, you know, mm -hmm. that I could just focus on loving and empowering myself and letting that overflow onto everybody else. Like I love to encourage people. I love to empower people and to see them step into their highest self wow. and to live the life of their dreams, to dare to dream big and dare to do whatever they have to do to see those dreams come true. Um, because almost always, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard a story of somebody sharing their dreams with me that was selfish. It's always for the greater good. It's always Yes, we benefit in pursuing our dreams, but our dreams are largely often others based. You know, it's where yeah. our passion meets other people's needs. Mm. And that's where our purpose is. And I don't know. I just, I feel incredible. I'm healthy. Um, I'm mentally healthy. <laughs> I have a job that I seriously love more than life itself. So it, I feel like I never work a day in my life and my, I haven't lost my marriage. I didn't lose my house. I didn't lose my family in absolutely every respect. The relationships in my life that were most important that mattered have all been enriched beyond my wildest dreams. Wow. Um, it's amazing what happens when you can just sit back and love people. <laughs> well, it's oh. hard to love people if you're not allowed to love yourself and you're wicked and exactly. anything yeah. righteous that you do is filthy rags. It's very difficult to project anything outward, you know? It absolutely is. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting that Christians have to be commanded to love others as they love themselves when self love is vilified oh, and suffering is glorified. Point. Yeah. 
you know, like it just, it doesn't make sense, but it does explain a lot, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, and also I really truly believe that there's no hate like Christian love. And I have experienced that in spades in like, I feel like I've experienced a sea of that. Yeah. People saying, oh, I'm, I'm telling you this because I love you. That's what the men of the church told me. You know, we love you. That's why we're saying these things to you. We, we love you. And what they were doing was the most hateful thing and the most hurtful thing that I've ever experienced in all of my life. You know? Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm really so sad. sorry that you had to go through all that and all that trauma, but it is so awesome to see like, <laughs> you healthy and, and, and kind of yeah. out of that and also being able to coexist and in love with, in relationship with people that might believe different. I mean, it says a lot about your husband and you, you know, um, you all can mm -hmm. accept each other individually and uh, that yes. you're different and, that, you know, mm -hmm. you have that differential that makes you yes. work well, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's so cool. Right. It's been a long journey, but completely worth it. Oh man, that's that's so good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Sherry, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think this, yeah, you know, you. people need to hear these things. They need to hear that it's not just all about, hey, let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya. There's people suffering out there yes. because of certain beliefs. And uh, I don't, Absolutely. you know, I still have no idea. And I'm pretty clear about mm -hmm. that on the podcast. I'm going to introduce, I'm going to talk to people of all different belief systems with mm -hmm. this. The one thing that I know is that yeah. nothing has harmed me mentally, psychologically, emotionally more mm -hmm. than the Christianity that, you know, I had believed for 21 years. And as a 43 year old man, even now you know things mm -hmm. still come back into me and i hear and it's all fear mongering you know yes. and it just leads to mm -hmm. fear leads to not trusting yourself and the more i learn about mental health and the more i get better with my mental mm -hmm. health the more i realize that this story needs to evolve if it's gonna yes. have any kind of positive impact on the world and if not it needs to go away absolutely yep it's so true and that's what i feel like like I, I'm so angry, so angry at what people are so senselessly and needlessly suffering mm -hmm. that I feel like this is my purpose. I feel like I have a lot of restitution to make um, to people that I unintentionally hurt and harmed as a part of this belief system. And my purpose now is to speak out about it and to... Mm -hmm expose it and to really honestly hold these people accountable and make them face consequences um because good people decent people are 100 okay with facing the response the responsibility yeah. and consequences of their even, own choices even and good christians like good there's yes. a lot of good christian you know people who are really good people who are christians are like oh it wasn't like that but the problem is like we're not right. taking a we're not taking this magnifying glass to the theology that leads to these abuses, to the, mm -hmm. the beliefs and the dogmas that lead to these abuses just by saying the no true Scotsman fallacy. You know, not all right. Christians, this and that. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's a fallacy. Right. Like it's it is what it is, yeah. and we need to deal with that. Yeah. For sure. 
Thank you so much for coming on, Sherry. And this was a lovely conversation. I hope we get to do it again soon because I plan on doing Yes, this I would while. love that. Thank you for the invitation. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. And uh, I have one favor to ask if you could give a rating and possibly a review, subscribe. That would be awesome. This is Institutionalized, Living After Deconstruction.